You're listening to the You Don't Know Me Yet Podcast Network. So, Stephanie, tell me about me time with Stephanie. Well, about 12 years ago, I started a, um, a morning thing on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it was called Mornings with Stephanie. Yes. And it was only things that came into my spirit and my thoughts that I thought could help somebody. So it was always motivational, encouraging. I always felt like if I could reach one person, I was doing my job. Yeah. So when I started, it just became so popular. I guess the things that was in my spirit and my thoughts was in everybody's spirit and thoughts. Or I would say something that really hit home. And so I found myself always on Facebook because people were responding and answering back and forth. And there were so many different topics that I would talk about that would come in my spirit. And it was just something natural. It was just something where I felt like if I was going to be on social media, and I wanted to deposit something positive. Yeah, and you had that cup of coffee too. Yes, I'd always have the cup because it was always in the morning. Yeah, outside on your patio. On my patio, I would sit on the patio. Or at one time, I even had a swing. I would swing, and I would always make sure I was in an environment where I could com- could communicate. Right. And so over the years, um, so many people started following me, and they would inbox me and and look for me because if I wasn't posting at least once a week or every other week. They was looking for mornings with Stephanie. Right. And so I started, I started actually getting fan mail. Like it was the most interesting thing. But then I started getting a couple of celebrities yeah. that kept encouraging me. Um, I don't know where you're getting this information from, but I, I think it's beautiful. They couldn't believe that those were the things that I would think about. Like I would, some of the content or some of the messages that I would give was self-love, yeah. uh, paying attention to yourself, um, just anything that was in my spirit. And for 12 years, I had, I had gotten a follower, like a following. And so Mornings with Stephanie turned into Me Time with Stephanie. Yes, right? yes. And it's, it's just been so exciting. And when they approached me and said, you know, they think I could really reach out to more people, I was like, sure. You know, I'm glad you called me to do this because, <clears throat> you know, just speaking on our relationship, it's not traditional that grown men and women are platonic friends. You know what I'm saying? And we have developed a relationship mostly through social media um, that is like we're like brother and sister. Everybody say that. It's funny. You know what I'm saying? And then a lot of times we agreed and then times we don't agree, but we always kind of pull it back together and come here. Tell us about our relationship (laughs) from your perspective. You know, I I belong to a lot of different groups and I have a lot of male friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm always the one that they say that got the mail card because most of my male friends, I introduced them to their wives. Yeah. And so I grew up in an environment with a whole lot of men. And so my mindset, I wouldn't say my mindset, but I think like a man. Gotcha. And so sometimes when my male friends call me for advice or conversations, they get upset. Like I could have called a dude, you know, you ain't, you know, Stoney, I'm I'm calling to get some sensitivity from a woman's point of view. And this is not how a woman's supposed to be talking. But I try to let people know that I come from an environment. That's why I get along with men because Mm -hmm. I think like them, like you and I, even though we argue, we go back and forth. 
I promise you, there's something that you said all the time that I'm thinking about, man, I got to call Troy. He was sure right about that. <laughs> you know, or if I didn't agree with you, yeah. something would happen later where I agreed. Or not. Right. But we, we were able to kind of shift back and forth. Bingo. But let me tell you something, what, what I learned. When people are happy to see you come and mm-hmm. sad to see you leave, no matter what the environment is, that says a lot. Yeah. And that's how you are. We always so happy when you come around, but when you leave, don't go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta leave, and they do that to me, and that's why you and I, yeah. we always we well, we hit you it know, off. If we have such a cool relationship, professional relationship, and even personal relationship, what is this disconnect between black men and black women from your perspective? Well, you know, you know, I like to I run from relationship topics, but I'm so good at it. So let's go tackle. Let's go. <laughs> Okay, so one of the things that I, this is my personal opinion. Now, now mind you, when my viewers and my listeners hear this, I don't want them to think I'm an expert. I'm only going by the experience, the things that were shared to me, and the things that I've seen. Yes. Okay, so I think that um, Chris, in in one of the interviews, said it could be social media. It could be um, just the mental health, depression, it could be so many things, but I think there's a lot of dis. Somebody said there's a shortage of women, a uh, men. There's like eight to one. I hear it all. Yeah. My husband passed away 12 years ago and I have never had issues with men. Yeah. I've never had relationship problems. I've always gotten along with, we all, most of the guys I've ever dated, we're still friends. You know, it seems like you honor your men because you know, I didn't meet Mr. Harold. Right. Um, but it just seems like that you had held him in such a, a, a space of reverence. And I believe is that it's not that we don't love each other, men and women. It's like men, from my perspective, we traffic in respect. And women traffic in security and, and honor. Um, or, or at least they don't want to be made to look like a fool. Like, I don't care if you love me, but you got to respect me. Right. And I think we've lost that respect thing. And there's several factors, I believe. I think a lot of uh, young women are growing up in households without their father. Um, not because of their fault, because maybe how the systems, or maybe it's mass incarceration, it's the war on drugs, it's the welfare policies. And women are raising, you know, their, our sons and daughters by themselves. And you don't see a man in the house. So you don't know what a man does or how he shows up. Yeah, and, and like Linda said, um, you hear women say, I don't need a man. And she said, well, make a lot of money and go sleep with it. <laughs> I was like, okay. It, it's funny she said that. And, I, you know, I was kind of tired at lunch, so I didn't want to dis- dispute that. But I don't think a woman needs a man. Really? I Please, know they share, don't. Share. Need is a word ah. that you need. Like, you need water. Yeah. You need oxygen. Yeah, you don't right? re- yeah, yeah. But to 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 operate at an optimal level, I think we should do it together. Right. So I told my wife, I don't need you. My mother taught me how to cook, how to clean. Look at me. I eat every day. I've eaten every day. So cooking for me is not something that's high value. I know how to wash my own clothes, but I want you. Right. In relationships, I think that's higher because today we have too many options. Right. And I think options are the enemy of focus. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Back in 1990, when I met my wife, she was fine, and she's still fine. But she was. I she was I'm, saying, I'm seeing your. I know your wife. <laughs> she she was fine, and she was the best option available to me, in maybe a 50 mile radius. You know, somewhere I can, you know, I can go out in Pensacola, or I can slide over to Mobile. I met my wife in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't swipe left mm-hmm. or swipe right. You know, I didn't have social media. I didn't have Instagram where these girls were showing me all of their loins. 
uh, on on camera. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. And so I, I had I picked from what worked for me and she best available and for, option and, and for her best available option for both of us, right? And we traveled together and we seen different parts of the world, but we went together. Whereas now, you know, you could be in a relationship with a woman or a man and you see, oh, it's Essence Fest and you get to swipe it through them pictures. And I don't know, because I, I ain't ever been on a date nap. I'm, I've been out the game for so long. But now it's like you swipe, swipe, you hit the ones you like. And I guess if they like you, you match up. And then there's no romance. There's no courtship. There's no there's no letter writing. Me and my wife wrote letters to each other. When I was in Korea and no she was intimacy. in Florida, there's, well, there's yeah, yeah, no intimacy, but it's like a there's there, type, it's man. not it's not this this anticipation, no excitement. this slow build, this no. you know, like my friend Chris said, he chased his wife for three years. You know what I'm saying? Now ain't nobody chasing nobody for three years because call guess it what? Thirsty. Yeah. Well, not only that, there is there are. You know, she was a track athlete. Every year, there's a whole other cash crop of track athletes coming in. You know, and so all the options that would be available to his son weren't available to him in, in Iowa where they okay. were in college together. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I, I believe that, you know, uh, people want to romanticize Big Mama and, and Big Daddy's relationship. And, and they want to tell me, hey, man, I want to be like you, OG. I'm like, man, the conditions do not exist anymore yeah. for, for you to be like me 30 years from now. Yeah, because so many things, there are so many different variables now. Yes. And and you're absolutely right when you said that I that I, I respect the man. Yes, because it's the culture that I was grown up in. Right. Let, me, let me tell you, I grew up in it. I always tell people I grew up in a functional environment. Mm -hmm. I always saw my grandfather open the door for my grandmother. I always saw my dad open the door for my mom. Mm -hmm. I always saw. Let me tell you something. I was telling Chris, I had never realized that my grandmother's place wasn't on my grandfather's lap until I was in my twenties. Right. She was always sitting on his lap. Every time he came home, we couldn't greet him. We had to wait for her to greet him with a kiss and a hug, and then we could we could greet him. Yeah. It was it was we saw I saw a different envir environment. So I have cousins and relatives that didn't grow up the way I did, and I remember I was at my cousin's house and she's married. Yeah. And her and her husband was just going back. They were arguing. They were fussing, and he would say inappropriate things. She would say inappropriate things, and it disturbed me so bad. So when he left, I said, where you get that from? I said, we wasn't raised like that. She said, you weren't raised like you that. You weren't raised like that. I was. Yeah. And it hit me. And I was like, I was in La La Land all this time. So because of the way that I grew up, my mother, when my mother had me, she had me real young. So she was real sickly all the time. Yeah. So I was always with my grandparents and my great grandparents. Mm -hmm. So I was exposed to a different type of environment because, um, in, in Louisiana, the family was the key to everything. Like, we had families that um, you live with your grandmother, your great-grandmother. Everybody, they had big homes, and everybody lived in the home. Yeah. Or if you lived in this home, your cousin lived across the street, your auntie lived here. So we all lived in neighborhoods. Yeah, so we, that was segregation, right? Right. So, like, when integration came, and then the people who, the, the, the black people who had a nickel over bill money, they, they was moved. moving out. They, they was go. getting away. They didn't want to be around you broke Negroes no more. You Bingo. know what I'm saying? Because, yes. yeah, we got a nickel over bill money. We better than you. We about to go. But I want to switch gears right quick. Okay. Now, I know we on me time with Stephanie. Okay. But okay. I want to talk about something that we didn't agree on 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. And I think... Now that you're a grandparent, I'm not. We almost agree on it. 
So we had a, a, a spirited discussion about 10 years ago about I made a decision not to whoop my kids. Yes, I remember that. And most people in my community said I, my kids was going, if I didn't do it, the police was going to do it. Um, I remember that. You can't be their friend, spare the rods, spoil the child, right? No, that was that. No, yeah, that was that one. And the one about um, paying the rent. We we fussed about that one. When yeah. they get a certain age, they got to pay rent or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so we yeah. Go back so to let's that do, one. we're going to do one at a time. Okay, okay. And so now that I've gotten the results that I looked for, I don't I don't debate people about whooping their kids. Do what you want to do. But how do you? I know you 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 um were okay with corporal punishment. How are you now with your grandkids? Uh, well, I threatened my kids. <laughs> Woo. The, well, my kids don't believe in spankings. Yeah. Believe it or not, I, I didn't have a problem with corporal punishment. My son caught spankings all the time. I mean, it, it was I had to stop spanking him because I felt like I was abusing him because he was catching spankings all the time. Yeah. But my daughter, she never caught a spanking, ever. So it was just the difference in the kids because he used to scare me. Cause he, would get, he would do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And so, but her, if I chastised her for one thing, she wouldn't do it again. And so there's difference in kids. But now that I have grandkids, um, I can't even imagine spanking them at all. Like, I remember um, my son spanked his boys. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, you spank. And they... So now he don't spank, but he'll because they're getting older. When they were younger, he used to pop out. Then he said, "You used to do it." Yeah. Well, now he'll say, he, he has a strat. He say five, four, and they know yeah. like you're in trouble. But somebody caught a spanking somewhere, and and I was so upset. And my daughter was like, "Mama, you spanked us." I said, "Yeah, but you can't spank my grandkids." I, yeah. I don't remember none of that, but this is now. You know what the yes. hardest thing to do for me when I just made a decision not to spank my children? What? was not to spank my children. That was very hard because I didn't have any conflict resolution skills. You know what I'm saying? And so what I learned along the way uh, with my children is I had an old man tell me, your behaviors are driven by your beliefs. So when you behave wrong, you believe wrong. And we are so big on behavior modification. I'm saying let's go to belief modification. So what I sought to understand was what made you think that was okay? And the calmer I could stay, the more of the story I would get. Because I realized from my own childhood, when I got a whooping, I didn't, I wouldn't, my parents were the last people I wanted to talk to about okay. anything. Because I didn't trust. Because something that was funny when we were just by ourselves got me a whooping if I said it around company. Okay. So I, I didn't, I, I was confused. Okay. Right? I got you. And so what I sought to, to, to look for is my football, my favorite people in the world, my football coach, maybe my pastor, maybe my uh, math teacher, um, maybe my uh, uncle. None of them with me, my grandmother specifically. None of them, they can get what they needed out of me and they never had to whip me. So why is it that my parents can't get it? I can't get it from my parents. And so what I learned to do was parent like a grandparent. Oh, okay. Right? Because my grandmother and grandfather, they never had to touch me. They could get anything from you. You I listen. All I, I, because I knew that I would disappoint them if I did things that were outside of what they had taught me to do. Right? And so I call it the range. Okay. When our kids, when we're young parents, because we were young parents, when they do something good, we celebrate them too high. And when they do something bad, we punish them too harsh. Right. And so what they do is they look for that happy medium and they're going to feed us exactly what gets them the hugs. 
right? And that's not an honest conversation. But your grandmother, hey, hey, Granny, uh, I just was elected student body president. Oh, that's so great, baby. I'm so happy for you. Hey, Granny, I'm going to jail for embezzling uh, $100,000 from my company. Grandma is praying for you. Grandma's going to even show up at the court and tell the judge how good of a person you are. That's true. So she has a, she, she's going to love you whether you do good or you uh, do bad. And what you want to do is give her the good mm-hmm. or him the good, Grandpa. And that's how I started to see myself is I'm a parent, but let me see myself as a grandparent. And let me let my children see themselves as adults because I didn't believe in raising kids because if they live to be 80, they're only going to be kids for one-fifth of their life. So why are we spending so much time with this when we're trying to raise dope humans? That makes uh, sense? Oh, that's deep. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of so sense. Th- that's how I came up with that. Now, after I've, you know, just like any new Christian or new person who stopped smoking, when I started, I went too hard. Meaning, if you were spanking your kids, I just thought you were a horrible person. You know how people get overzealous when they're new to something. But now that I've been on this journey for over 20 years you know um i'm not as zealous when people choose to use uh physical punishment as a means of getting some act right because and i'm gonna say this then we're gonna move on to the rent okay conversation um they say train a child up in a way they should go and they will not depart right so if you teach a child conflict resolution if i'm mad at you i'm gonna hit you when they hit 18 you can no longer hit them there is no other lesson to undo that. And that's so what strong. we start seeing is boyfriends beating up girlfriends because that's how they were taught to resolve conflict. Interesting. And so me and you had a conversation with Chris earlier about our daughters. And I'm, I can't tell my dad because he's going to beat somebody. Well, when I was showing my daughters that I had better ways of resolving conflict other than violence, they began to trust me more and they could bring more stuff to me. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Me time with Stephanie. That's so powerful. That's something that we really need to talk about more going forward because I really want our black men to be able to communicate and to build those kind of relationships with their daughter, especially the younger men, because the younger fathers, you know, I keep hearing this thing about, oh, these young fathers, they're not there. Most of these young fathers are there. And most of them, those that I see that's not there, it's because the woman don't want them there. Yeah, because it's more profitable for them to be gone. And, and and not just that. It's like, my if you dad, don't love me, you can't love my child. Yeah, and we had that conversation. Be, yeah, if you don't want to be with me, then you can't be with my child. But that's his child. Yeah, well, that's you know when when a woman is when like a man is physically stronger than a woman for the most part, right? The way a woman can hurt a man is through his heart, and his heart is his child. So if I if he look, let me tell you the worst thing a man could do anecdotally when he's not with the mother of his child show up with another, with another woman. woman who's beautiful and the- <laughs> you know what i'm saying she don't come up there and she 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 got her stuff together you know what i'm okay, saying okay. <laughs> you okay. in trouble you ain't gonna see that kid okay let me tell you this i got two things to tell you about that now that's true yeah i could never understand like i knew women that would get so angry with their baby's father yeah where they would like stop them from picking them up or whatever mm-hmm. in my mind that was just the craziest thing because you're not fixing to mess up my weekend and I'm not fixing to inconvenience <laughs> myself and have kids for seven days out of the week. Oh, no, I, whatever, if I didn't like it, you still going to come pick up the kids. Right. And, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I know he loves his kids, so he's never going to put his kids in an environment that's going to harm them yeah. because he loves them. But going back to what you just said, that's so interesting that you said that. 
I remember um, after my husband died, I started dating this guy. Mm-hmm. I had never heard a baby mama drama. You know how, how black people say, oh, you don't want to date somebody with young kids because there's a baby mama somewhere. I, I, I had never... I had never been You've been married your whole life. All my life. All your adult life. So I was dating this guy, and he had these two girls. They were just, oh, my goodness, I fell in love. And I bet they loved you. Oh, my goodness. The the girls that would even come to to my house when it wasn't even his time. Mm -hmm. And so what I was trying to do, his ex-wife, because she was by herself, she was in graduate school, so I was always trying to help her, thinking I'm helping. So the girls had long thick hair so I would always go get their hair professionally done because I wouldn't hear her say don't be getting my daughter's hair done because I would hear her say it takes a whole weekend so my yeah. stupid Stephanie say well she could study more she could you know so I'm thinking I'm we're helping her yeah and so something we were going to a concert and every time she would see me when she I was, I'd always be looking rough or whatever so she she had no problems with me right and so he was like, oh, yeah, she don't have a problem with you because she think. She ain't seen you. She think that you, you down, I downgraded. Yeah. And I was like, so I thought about it. So I made sure every time I was around, she always looked better than me. She always, I always made her think she was still the catch. And he, because I, I just didn't want a drama. Right. But one day we were going to a concert and I was dressed up and looking fly and we had to drop the girls off and I was so uncomfortable about it because I didn't want her to see me. Yeah. And sure enough, um, she saw me and she had this look on her face when she came to get the girls out the car and uh-huh. everything went haywire after yeah. that. And we ended up breaking up because she just, it was so much drama mm-hmm. and it, and, and she didn't want the girls to come to my house anymore. And so it was, it, and so I get it. Yeah. And, and so these are the things that I just was so confused. And he was just like, thought, he thought I was kind of cuckoo because I had never experienced, because every time I've been around women, yeah, it was always the best for our children. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Me time with Stephanie. So when my ex-husband remarried, I had a relationship with his ex-wife because her kids were, my kids were older and her kids were small, you know, babies so when they would go places my kids would babysit they would bring their kids to my house because they felt they were with their siblings and me and they were safe yeah and vice so I had never been around somebody that didn't have a problem inconvenient I couldn't even understand this girl's a master getting getting her master's and she don't want her kids she don't want a break we was we would keep the kids Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday so she could study go she had a boyfriend but she refused to take She's seen things. you. And when she seen you, she was like, oh, wait a minute. He done upgraded on us. You know what I'm saying? You done messed up the whole program. <laughs> know, right? You know what I'm saying? And so it, was, it went downhill from that. And then yeah. we ended up breaking up because it was, it was just too much for you me. You know what? That brings me to my point. One of my favorite sayings. It's kind of controversial. But I say protect black women from black women. You know what? That stick with me. Please. Talk about it. So I've, what I've seen is like when I was coming up through high school and in my early days, the people who fought was the boys. Now it's girl on girl. These girls are killing each other, fighting each other, inviting them to Mexico, killing their friends. And, you know, a lot of times um, I've lost many, not many, three friends to domestic violence. Okay. Meaning they were protecting the honor of another woman who took the, of a woman who took the situation higher than it needed to be, and my friends got killed, okay? So one of them, my high school classmate, he uh, was helping a woman move 
out of her husband's house, ex, you know, ex-husband. And then my friend who was just a, was a coworker came over to help. Well, she acted like they were together and that man beat my friend to death with a baseball bat. Wow. Okay. My, um, one of my best friends who was in my wedding, um, had a girlfriend who was cheating on him. He took her back and they went over to the man's house to get her stuff. And she started busting his windows out. <gasps> my friend and the man start fighting and his buddy shot my, my best friend in the ear and killed him. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of times what I tell my women, whether my wife or my daughters, is you have to keep me alive because once it escalates past just the talk, my life is in danger. My life is in danger. Your life is not in danger as is, 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 is mine's is, right? And so when I say protect black women from black women, what another thing I see is that older black women are really hard on the millennial younger women in the workforce. And I've had two, both my daughters tell me the person who seems like they're at their throat the hardest is the older black women. I hear that a lot too. And Why? I wonder if it's because they, they want them to go through the same struggle because you, these younger women, the women who were born in the 80s and the 90s, they have more opportunities than women have ever had, in my opinion. It yes. should have been the prayer that the grandma and mom had. It should be the blessing that our daughters have these, these wonderful opportunities. But it seems like there's a little envy and jealousy from the women who may not have been able to go to college or had to struggle or who had to go through these things. And they just, they go hard on the younger and women. And it's so interesting you said that because I had, it was reversed for me. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I would go in certain environments, because when I was, when I came out of college, I thought I was, you couldn't tell me anything. I was ready to take over the world. I, I wore suits every day. It did, yeah. Even if I went to Walmart, I had a suit on. Mm-hmm. But it was the older black women in the environment that I worked in that put me in and taught me. And I always give them a lot of credit for who I am today. Yeah. Because when I would, okay, when I was in college, I worked at a, at the tax assessor's office. I worked at the courthouse. Yeah. And the black women I saw there blew me away. I had never seen black women so articulate. I never seen them walk with so much um, confidence. I never seen them speak the way that they spoke to the white men that were in Like I saw they ran the city yeah. and I was Power, powerful. It was so. So, where was the switch? Because I've seen you. You've told me you've seen it in in the workplace today. What was the switch? Um, I don't. I have no idea. They always, when I was growing up, they would take me under their wing to show me everything. Like they would train me. They would take me away from the environment that we're working in. Take me on the other side of town to lunch so they could have talks with me and so I could be strong. Oh, I see you have potential and I'm going to show you how you're going to get to where I you're get that. Go. But what, what was the switch where we're seeing the baby boomer black woman who is not supporting the millennial black woman? I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm going to ask you again another way. Why are we seeing girls fighting girls in high school and in, 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 in their 20s? I think a lot of it is because, and, and I could be wrong, uh, the women, the exposure of seeing, like I was telling you my cousin, first one, mm-hmm. she's, she, what, what we were taught, what we were raised in the home. Like, I think a lot of these women, and, and from the work that I do, I've seen a lot of 12-year-olds raising 12-year-olds, and then I saw 15-year-olds raising 15-year-olds. Like, 
sometimes the grandmother, the mom and the mom, they're no more than 15, 12 yeah. to 15 years older. Yeah. So for generations like so right grandma, now, 45, yeah, grandma, 30, 45, with a 12, 15. 13 year old, or 14 year old, 15 year old grandbaby. Yeah. So I think it's kids raising kids for so long. Cause remember it started in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So you had 12 year olds in the eighties all the way up to, I think around 2000 and Three was when it really stopped. Stephanie, I got to stop you there because I've heard that a lot. I ain't mean to interrupt you. And I don't know. But I heard that a lot, right? But, man, grandmama and them was having babies at 14. As soon as they they was bleeding, they was putting babies in them. what do you think it is? I don't know. Well, I don't know all the answers, but I think um, a lot of these reality TV shows have a lot to do with it. You just answered it. Reality um, we need to get Chris back because Chris talked about. <laughs> look, he talked about reality shows. Yeah. He talked about um, depression. He talked. It's just so many things. It's like um, um, what you t- not reality shows, the social media, the likes, of video this, games, like, looking yeah. at people lives and thinking that's the life we're supposed to live. Because that's exactly probably what it is. Because I I was never exposed to none. Of I that. think another problem, and then we'll wrap it up on this because we'll okay. talk forever, is fathers not being in the home. You think? Yeah, I think. I think okay. fathers, absentee fathers, whether it's because it's mass incarceration, whether it's because of broken families, the welfare system, any myriad of things. But when you take the father out of the home, I think you take the – and I don't think moms are more or less important, but I just think you take the balance out when you take the father out of the home. Of course. I agree. Right. That's something we need. To, we can we talk about that some more when we come back? Yeah, we can. All right, thank you. Well, for hey, me. this is OG Troy Nalls. I'm here with Stephanie. Me time with Stephanie, and we out. All right, thank you guys. All right.